0: Welcome to the St. Michael Lenten podcast series. My name is Bob Johnston, and I'll be leading our meditation today. Our theme this Lent is Covenant, how we keep our sacred promises. May you be blessed for the Christian journey. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. A reading from the Gospel of John, second chapter, verses 13 to 22. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, "'Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace.'" His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for forty-six years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Here ends the reading. It may sound strange, but I've always liked this passage that we just read from the Gospel of John. I want to mention a few reasons why and offer them for contemplation today. Before getting into the reasons, we need a little bit of context for the passage from John's Gospel. After Jesus went to Capernaum with his mother, brothers, and disciples, he turned and he went to Jerusalem for the Passover. The Passover was the greatest of all the Jewish feasts. Every adult male Jew who lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem was bound to attend. Others journeyed from far away to attend at least once in their life and more if they could. When he arrives, Jesus goes to the temple and he finds those selling the oxen, sheep, doves, and the money changers sitting at their tables, carrying out their transactions. And Jesus is not passive. He does not shake his head and say pity. Jesus scatters the coins of the money changers and overturns the tables. I imagine it is an uncomfortable scene. I imagine that he's yelling at those selling the doves, saying, take these out of here. Stop making my father's house a place of trade. If we've heard this story too many times, we may not get how outrageous it is. This is a showstopper scene. The New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says, imagine a high school student going into the principal's office, knocking all the papers off his desk and yelling that the whole place is a disgrace and that they should be ashamed. What? People would be like, call the police. N.T. Wright wants to convey the sense of outrage in this moment that was created in the temple. The temple was the center of the life of Jerusalem, the very heartbeat of it all. And Jesus has gone straight there and said it's all wrong and took big action. Wow, just take that in. I have to be honest, when I was younger, I liked this passage just because it showed Jesus angry and upset. The thought of him fashioning a whip and overturning tables seemed to make him more approachable in a weird way to me because it made him more human. That was the initial reason that I liked this passage. With time and reflection, I grew to like this passage for its theological import in a number of respects. In this regard, it's a real loud proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. Indeed, the prophet Malachi, as we read in Malachi 3, verses 1 to 4, had prophesied big events with the Messiah coming to the temple. Let me read that. See, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old as in former years. So when the temple authorities see what Jesus has done, they want a sign from him. In other words, they get that he's doing something that the Messiah would do, and they want support or validation for it. Some have suggested that that is why John emphasized it where he did. John acknowledges that he wrote his gospel for the purpose of conveying faith, and he features this episode early in the gospel so that the reader gets the claim that Jesus is the Messiah. The apparent claim may be why the disciples immediately think of Psalm 69, which says, It is zeal for your house that has consumed me. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. John, in writing this gospel, again emphasizes the Messianic claim right up front, second chapter. Other implications come from delving into Jesus' anger in this passage. It's clear that Jesus is upset with what is taking place in the temple and takes stunning action. Yet the precise drive of the anger may encompass a number of different upsetting aspects of the activities. There are two that seem to stand out to me. One is worship that's being twisted. There seems to be worship without reverence because of the commercial activities and because of the focus on the paraphernalia related to animal sacrifice. For a long time, prophets had said that the Lord God had had enough of the sacrifices and that he did not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. Jesus's anger may be seeking to go at that misguided notion to make worship more of what it's meant to be. The other one is that it may go into Jesus's desire for all to come near. The temple tax that was expected to be paid was about the value of two days of work for labor. And the money changers are charging something like a day's wage for conversion, according to some scholars. This extreme fee was upsetting and the pilgrims are probably folks can barely afford it. It becomes a barrier for them. Along with that, there's this issue with the location of where all these transactions are taking place in the temple. The transactions took place in the court of the Gentiles. That court would have been as far as a Gentile could go into the temple. And yet when they arrived there, there's so much commotion and so many transactions taking place. that One can imagine that they cannot worship without distraction. Mark's gospel version of this story hints in this direction as he records Jesus saying, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Everyone should have a place to pray there. So I'll leave you with three things to think about on this passage today. Contemplate these things. First, is to see again Jesus' true humanity, as you see him with perhaps a red face and a fashioned whip in his hand, overturning tables with righteous anger. Second, as we contemplate whether he was upset with the kind of worship taking place and the barriers to worship, we might ask to what extent in our church life we are focusing on things that don't really matter. Our dress, or making certain forms of worship, requirements, all kinds of different things that may distract us. How has our worship gone off track? Finally, to what extent are we doing things that make it difficult for others to be in worship with us? and feel the welcome of God. Amen. Please join me as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Ever-living God, whose will it is that all should come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, inspire our witness to him that all may know the power of his forgiveness and the hope of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.